0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today, we read the story of King Heron, who seeks to destroy uh, the Christ child. And in his attempt to do so, he he goes and he uh, desires to kill all of the children that are under the age of two. This is why today is also the uh, feast of the 144,000 children. Uh, if you uh, were paying attention during the Synaxarian reading, uh, we celebrate the, the today as the feast day of the martyrdom of all of the children that were killed by King Herod in an attempt to find the Christ child to kill him. And we also read about how uh, he continues to seek after uh, Christ and the Holy Family, and uh, an angel appears to Joseph and tells him, or in a vision, he says, Arise, take the young child and his mother, Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And we see how God is always protecting um, us and and protecting his people by always warning us of maybe different things that are happening around us that we don't even realize. Sometimes when things in our life are going um, maybe differently than what we'd expect, and then only in hindsight, later on, do we see how God was maybe directing us in the right direction, the right path, protecting us from something that we didn't notice or see. And so God is always a provider. He always gives us so many good things. I want to speak briefly today about some of the, way, the ways that God provides for us. The first is, is that he protects us from destruction, which is like the example we read today of uh, asking the Holy Family to go and to travel to Egypt to flee from uh, King Herod. Uh, A great example of the way that God protects us from destruction is the example of Noah before the flood. Uh, We read in Genesis chapter 6, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. So he was preparing beforehand Noah and his family to be protected from the destruction that was about to come because he loved them and he wanted to provide for them. And even though at the time, maybe everyone around Noah looked at what he was doing and saw that it was ridiculous that he would be building a gigantic boat, which took so many years, and, and a, in, in the middle of dry land where there was no water, um, and everyone was looking at him as being like a crazy man. Well, how is it that you could be doing this? And, and well, how does it make any sense at all that you would be building this large ark? And yet this was from God. And Noah, in faith, believed and built the ark exactly as God had commanded. And in the end, we know that it did rain and everyone perished except for Noah and his family and the animals that came on the ark. So God was protecting his people. Another example of this uh, protection is uh, uh, Lot and his family in the city of Sodom before it was destroyed. When God had chosen to destroy the city of Sodom, He uh, told Lot, he sent angels uh, to warn Lot and to bring his family out of the city. And again, he was protecting them from destruction. So this is the first way that God provides for us, is that whatever sinful or or destructive influences that are around us, whether it be physically destructive or spiritually destructive, that God continually warns us time and time again to flee, to run. To get away from there noah to get away from the flood by going into the ark the lot to get away from sodom by running away in whatever way or even the holy family when he told him flee run away from king herod get away from this uh, destructive source the one who is coming to destroy god also protects us from destruction and he gives us so many warnings and he, he he wants to direct us away from things that might destroy us the second way that god provides for us as he provides even in the midst of impossible circumstances. We read in the book of 1 Kings um, where there was a time of severe drought. And at the time, Elijah the prophet, uh, God asked him to go and to hide um, because there were people that were seeking to destroy him. God told him to hide. And there was a drought at the time, so there was no food for Elijah to eat. So we read in 1 Kings 17, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook so while there was no way for for him to have any food or anyone to bring him any food and yet god solved this problem by having these birds these ravens to bring him the food that he needed to eat and even though that this drought lasted for many years and yet elijah was sustained through the work of god You know, oftentimes we speak about how God uses um, the natural circumstances around us to provide for us. But there are times where the natural circumstances don't provide any means by which we can be sustained, like in this example. It reminds me of a story of a man uh, who was a Muslim man who was living in Saudi Arabia, and he was seeking the truth, and he was praying to God, and he didn't know what was the true faith. Was Islam the true faith? Or was Christianity the true faith? And he kept praying and praying and praying to God and asking him to reveal the truth to him. And Jesus Christ himself appeared to him, and he told him the truth, and he gave him a Bible. And of course, we know in Saudi Arabia there's no Bibles, right? Right? There was no way for him to have gotten a Bible in any kind of legal way. There was no way he could have purchased a Bible that weren't available anywhere. He couldn't have bought one online and had it. So God gave this man something that was impossible, something that could not have been given in any other way because of the extreme circumstances that he was in. Also uh, reminded me of uh, another story that happened in egypt many many years ago there was a famous woman that uh, a missionary christian woman that lived in egypt her name was lillian trasher and she was running an orphanage of 900 orphans and there were 80 widows as well as well as other employees and staff members refugees and other people that lived there at this orphanage and this was during world war ii and during world war ii all of the supplies were cut off from egypt so that there was no uh, food or any kind of provisions, clothes, supplies, or anything that was able to come from other countries. And so they were at the point where they really didn't have anything left, they didn't know how they were going to survive, and she was taking care of these 900 orphans. And so she told everyone to pray, okay, to pray, because there was nothing else really, there was no other solution. And um, what happened was, is that there was a Red Cross ship that was full of these relief supplies, and it was actually supposed to go to Greece but it was captured by the british people at the time and the ship had been ordered to dump all of the cargo in the water so essentially all of the supplies that this red cross ship had they were told to just dump it okay but there was a soldier that was on board this ship that was familiar with lillian trasher and the orphanage that she ran and he said no how about we go and we give the supplies to this woman okay So they ended up supplying it. It was 2,600 dresses, 1,900 sweaters, 1,000 pairs of pants, 3,800 blankets, 1,100 towels, milk, rice, all all, everything. It was actually enough to sustain this orphanage for the rest of the entire war. And so, this is an example again where God provides in impossible circumstances. There was have been no way logically that God could or there could have been any way for this woman, Lillian Trasher, and her orphanage to be sustained in the midst of this war, and yet God provided a way. Sometimes also we feel like we are in an impossible situation, a situation where there is no solution, and yet God can provide a way. We see him constantly providing a way in impossible circumstances all the time. God provides for his people. Third way that God provides for us is that he protects us from the evil of other people. In Psalm 31 verse 20, it says, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in the pavilion from the strife of tongues. Sometimes we feel powerless in the midst of the evil of other people and the attacks of the other people and the cunning and the deception of other people, even other people that lie and, 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 and they maybe make us even out to be the bad person. They make us out to be the evil person while they themselves are the ones that are working evil. And maybe many of us have experienced this in our life. And yet God here is saying what? You shall hide them in the secret place. This is King David. You shall, you shall hide, him, hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. King David is expressing his faith in God that God is going to protect us from the plots of man. That God is going to protect us from the evil workings of man, and, and the devil often uses other people as tools to attack us, to harm us in some way. And yet here, God is, uh, the psalmist is, is expressing his faith that God is protecting, that God is protecting him, that God is protecting his people. And God can even turn these situations where we are like uh, under attack; He can turn them actually to be for our good. That in the end, we walk out of the situation actually stronger and better and more blessed than we were at the beginning, had this not even happened. And it is difficult to have patience in the midst of these difficult challenges and trials. And yet God is promising that in the end, he can defeat the wicked works of other people that are seeking to destroy us. God protects us from the evil works of others. Another way that God provides for us is from psychological damage psychological damage. What do I mean by that? We know the story of Joseph, Joseph the Righteous, who, were, who was betrayed by his brothers, and they threw him into a well to be sold into slavery. Okay, we, know, we know this story. Okay? And we know that in the end, God saved Joseph, and that God uh, made him to be a ruler in Egypt, and that by the end, Joseph... Uh, saw, you know the the how God was working. It says in Genesis 50 when God when Joseph was speaking, it says, "But as for you, speaking to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive." God used this situation of Joseph being sold into slavery to go to Egypt to 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 gain favor there with Pharaoh and to be given the responsibility to. Uh, save the world essentially through many years of famine that was to come. But just because the outcome was good, does that mean that Joseph was emotionally healthy at that point? You know, many of us have gone through such difficult situations that even though the outcome is good, even though the outcome is that we are safe, but we've gone through such difficult challenges that we are feel like we are emotionally damaged, that we're psych- psychologically damaged as a result of everything that we've experienced. For instance, people that like PTSD, right, PTSD is, is is our reaction to some very, very negative emotions and fears and things that have happened to us in our lives that even though when you look at our life today, you say, well, today everything is fine today everything is good i came out of that situation and thank god everything is good but i still have all of these memories and i still have all of these fears and i still have all of these emotions and i still remember everything that happened and it's so disturbing to me and it came to my mind the story of joseph because for maybe 15 years his whole um you know this whole trial him from the time that he was thrown into the well, sold into slavery, lived as a slave in Potiphar's house, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, sent to prison, forgotten in prison, and all these events that happen in the life of Joseph that took uh, such a long time, a- and, and yet we don't see in his life at the end, like we see him as a, as, as a strong person, we see him as a person who's able to function well, we see him as a person who never complained against God, And one of the things that God provides for if we have a strong relationship with him is emotional and mental health. That he he allows us because of our hope in him, because we feel like we are not abandoned, because we feel like there is a purpose and a reason to everything happening around us, that it helps us to cope better with the problems that we come across in our life. So that even if in the end of whatever particular ordeal I'm going through, even if in the end, yes, I'm you know, like everything is okay and everything has ended and whatever problem I had has is solved or or over, but I come out of that more victorious in the sense that I am joyful and I am calm and I am not I don't have long lasting emotional pain that results from something that happened to me. And this is part of what God provides for us. When we are really close to him when we are really connected to him when we have a very active prayer life when we are putting fully our trust in him in everything then even in the most difficult of situations then we turn to god and he provides comfort all throughout that we never feel alone that we never feel abandoned that we never feel like we are crushed beyond measure that we cannot survive right and so this emotional health this mental health that, that God provides for us is one of the most important things of any Christian. If you look at the life of the martyrs, how is it that they could have endured such torture? How is it they could have endured such pain and suffering that they experienced, right? Because even, even after, let's say, God per- saved them from, from the tortures, you would imagine from any normal person that we would be so uh, emotionally damaged from such an experience that we'd be unable to function as human beings. We, we we would look back at the suffering that we experienced, it would have been too much for us. And yet we see in the life of the of, of the confessors, for instance, the confessors who didn't die but were tortured just the same as the martyrs, that they still they lived a very joyful, productive, happy life afterward. That it was not a a life where they were completely crushed they continued in faith they continued in joy they continued in the church they continued in every positive way because god healed them from whatever psychological damage that they had experienced so this is another thing that god provides and that when we cling closer to him that he provides us for emotional well-being another thing that god provides for us is he helps us to make important decisions In Proverbs 69, it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. This idea is like the relationship between what is my role in decision-making and what is God's role in decision-making. And this is uh, sometimes difficult for us to understand. Some people have the opinion, well, you know what, God does everything. Uh, you know, I'm going to just ask God and he's going to tell me where to go and everything is going to be completely directed by God or God is going to give me signs and these signs are what are going to tell me what decisions to make. This is like one extreme view of the idea of decision making. I leave it completely to God. Another person might say, you know what, God doesn't really give me any input. This is really essentially completely my decision. He doesn't get very involved and everything that happens to me or the decisions that I make is really not, it's not really from him right? Or he doesn't really have a preference. This is another view. Here in this verse, we see that there is actually a cooperation between us and God. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That there is something in the heart of man. There is desires in the heart of man. There are plans in the heart of man. But in the end, the Lord directs there are some doors he might open. There are some doors he might close. There are some paths that he might make smooth and easy to walk. There are some that he might make difficult to walk. There are some that I might feel comfortable to continue and pursue. There might be others where I feel, you know what, this is not a good idea. I need to, I need to turn back. God helps us to make decisions because we are in a world where decisions are so important and there are many difficult decisions that we are all called to make and there isn't uh, necessarily a lot of information as to what is the right one. A lot of times, there's a lot of options that all look good. Which one do I choose? Again, God helps us to make these choices. If we really want the will of God, if we really trust in the will of God, we ask Him, and He will help us to make decisions. The sixth thing that God provides for us is He provides based on our value to Him. Why is it that God provides? This is a big question. Why is it that God provides? In Matthew 6, 26, it says, Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He's saying, why do you doubt that God will provide for you? Doesn't God even provide for the birds? The birds don't have homes. The birds don't have education. The birds don't have money. The birds don't have bank accounts. The birds don't have anything that we as human beings have. And yet, they live, they survive, they find food wherever it is that they go. We don't even know how they find food. They're just pecking at the ground and somehow there's food there. Where do they find this food? Who puts this food there for them? How is it that so many birds can survive when nobody is actually feeding them? You know, the birds are just finding food wherever they are, right? That's what he's saying is, if the birds themselves that fly around and have no home, that do not sow nor reap, they do not plant, they do not plan where it is that they're going to find food they're not prepared right they just go and fly and go wherever they go they don't store food in barns and yet your father in heaven feeds them god provides a way for them to find food so that they can live and he says are you not of more value than they if god is going to provide for these birds that have no ability on their own to store up food for themselves and to prepare how much more is god going to provide for you human beings whom God loves who create whom he created in his own image right so of what basis does God provide it is based on the value that we have in his sight because he sees us as being so valuable and we have done nothing to achieve such value you know sometimes we feel inherently that unless i do good and unless i am always doing good then God is not going to bless me sometimes we think you know what Oh, you know what? I didn't pray, or I'm not doing something good. God is not going to bless me. God is not going to provide for me. God is not going to give me. Actually, we, we don't see evidence of this. If God was going to deny us good things simply because we are sinners, then none of us would have anything because He gives to all. He gives us all, even when we sin, even when we fall. He gives to everyone. So He gives based on His love to us, He doesn't give based on our merit. He doesn't give based on the fact that we did a good job today he gives based on our value in his eyes just with our own children we give to our children because we love them we feed our children even when they are bad we feed our children even when they disobey we feed our children we give to them good things it doesn't mean that we don't rebuke them it doesn't mean that we don't try to discipline them but we in everything we give them what is good even the discipline that we give is good. It is everything that we give our children is good. Regardless of what they have done, it is good what we choose to give them. And the, God is the same with us. He gives us always what is good. It is not because we have fallen short of what it is we should do that God is now angry. And that God is not going to give us what is right and give us what is good. He is the provider. The last thing that God protects us from that we're going to mention is he protects us from ourselves which is very important because sometimes our greatest enemy is ourselves. Sometimes our greatest enemy is the flesh, is, is our sinful desires, the things that we do contrary to God's will, contrary to God's word, that those desires that we have that lead us to destruction, that God protects us from even ourselves. A good example of this is the story of Balaam the prophet. Balaam the prophet, he was this man who lived in the Old Testament, and uh, a man named Barak who was uh, of the Midianites he was of the enemy of Israel he went to this prophet Balaam and he told him I want you to curse the Israelites for me I want you to go and pray to God and curse the Israelites and so Balaam at first he was telling him you know I can't just curse the Israelites you know because God has not given me permission to do so and God has blessed them but after some talk Balaam said, okay, I'll go with you to go and meet with you and to go talk and discuss with you further. And this was not what God wanted. God did not want Balaam to go to have any conversation or any association with these people. But because they promised him some gifts, there was in the back of his mind maybe this desire to go and to learn more, to find out more. So even though he was saying, no, I can't curse them, but maybe inside his heart he was still you know, interested to see, okay, what, what offer are they going to offer me? So Balaam began to go with this th- these people to in- entertain this option which was against God's will. And he was riding on a donkey, okay? And on the road as he was riding on this donkey, there was an angel that appeared in front of the donkey on the road. And Balaam could not see the donkey or er, could not see the angel. Only the donkey could see the angel. And as Balaam was trying to direct the donkey to move forward, the donkey didn't want to move. And the donkey tried to move to the side to get away from the angel. And when the donkey moved to the side, it crushed the foot of Balaam. And Balaam became angry and cursed the donkey until eventually, and he would hit the donkey, striking the donkey. And eventually the donkey completely stopped because the road was so narrow and there was no way that the donkey could pass without going straight into the angel, which would kill Balaam had he done so. And so ultimately, when Balaam understood what had happened, when he understood why the donkey didn't want to listen, when he understood that the angel was there and that had he gone forward, the angel would have killed him. Okay, He said this in Numbers 22. He says, And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Sometimes we have our minds fixed on doing what is wrong, on wanting to pursue what is wrong. We are convinced that something that we desire is right, or we are, we are walking in a path that is crooked and, and that is not the right path for us. And God stands in our way. And sometimes the way that God stands in our way is by putting many, many, many obstacles, by making things very difficult for us, that we are not able to succeed in the way that we want to go. And this is here what was happening is this angel of the Lord was making it very difficult for Balaam to continue on the road and wanted to get his attention that the path that he was walking was the wrong path. This is, you should not go this direction. This is the wrong direction for you to go. And only after Balaam discovered and realized that this angel was indeed on the road, and that he realized that he was being rebuked by God for his decision to go on this journey. That he then admit, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. So sometimes God wants to get our attention when we've made foolish choices. And sometimes getting our attention requires experiencing some pain. Just like in the case of Balaam, his foot was crushed on this process of him discovering that God was standing in his way. So God gives us... Um, signals. If we are making a decision or going in the wrong way, oftentimes because of our own sinful desires, God gets our attention and He says, this is wrong. You shouldn't You shouldn't do this. We feel a sense of discomfort. We feel a conviction in ourselves from the Holy Spirit. We feel like everything I try to do in this particular direction is continuing to fail. Because why? Because this is not God's will for me. God doesn't want this to happen to me. And this is also God's provision, that He is providing us with clear barriers and he says this this direction is not the right way go back go a different direction go a different way one of the ways that god reveals his will to us this is another way god provides so we spoke about seven different ways that god provides for us the first is that god protects us from destruction whenever there is something dangerous whether it physically or spiritually around us god protects us warns us about it wants us to flee and run away God provides even in impossible circumstances, even when there is no human means by which anyone should expect that God could provide or to give us what we need, God finds even miraculous ways to give us what we need. The third is that God protects us from the evil of other people, that that while we might be powerless and while we might have no uh, authority or strength to protect ourselves from the evil of others, and yet God is the one who comes and can protect us. The fourth is God protects us from psychological damage. That even when we successfully navigate a difficult situation and come out of it, God protects us from having long-lasting, long-term emotional damage from whatever the situation is that we experience. Number five is God helps us to make decisions. He gives us clues. He gives us Direction. He guides us so that whenever decision we want to make, if we truly are seeking God's will and willing to submit to His choices, God will help us to know what direction we should go. The sixth is God provides based on our value to Him. He gives us good things not because we are good. He gives us good things because He is good. And the seventh is that God protects us from ourselves, from our wrong choices, from our fleshly desires, from our passions. God protects us and wants us to be aware of the direction that we're going and will help stop the way in front of us when we are going in the wrong direction. So may God help us to always see his work in our lives, his giving, his provision to us, and that we would be thankful and grateful for him for every good work that he does. And glory be to God forever. Amen.